This is Twa Teams, one street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, D on an extended mid-term break, and Tynecastle trouble for tangerines. Hello, I'm Tom Duffy, and podding with me as usual this week are... Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. Ewan Smith. Hello. And and George Cran. Hello. Straight out of business uh, this week. We're jumping in with, uh, if I'd looked at my notes, I would know. We're jumping in with Dundee United <laughs> first. But I just thought, a, a general point for all of you, is it just me? But I've always had this thing. For both teams last weekend, if you score two goals in a game, you're going to, you, you should be disappointed when you don't take anything out of it. and. United, who this section's about, 5-2 at Tynecastle, Dundee, 4-2 at home to Celtic. Two very difficult games given, but that thing, you score a couple of goals, you have to be disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is becoming a regular thing. This is two weeks in a row. I've had to come on and talk about Dundee United losing games. I hope, hopefully that's the... That's the, that's the end of the, the slump that they're having, many slump. But You're obviously the jinx, which is why we're sending you out the country from tomorrow, but more of that later. <laughs> no. Like, like, right, okay, let's take the positives, because I always take the positives, right? United, some of United's attacking play was very good, and they, and and one of our esteemed colleagues um, described the game as like a basketball match at times, and it was a bit like that, the way the ball would... Every time a team was attacking, you were wondering if they were going to score. Um, 35 chances. that was Alan Preston on the BBC, were the editing out of steamed. It wasn't Alan. It wasn't Alan. <laughs> I'm not wanting to advertise any other... That was a joke, other. by the way. <laughs> um, there were 35 chances in the game, so that tells you how exciting the match was, yeah. right? Um, Dundee United had 12 chances, so they, they, they still con- contributed largely, but Hearts were the better team. Hearts, some of Hearts' attacking play was slick. Um, they're really quick going forward and I think United struggled a little bit with their movement and their pace um, and that was part of the problem. Ben Wood- Woodburn showed exactly why he's come through the ranks at Liverpool to be honest with you and I do remember when he first burst on the scene at Liverpool there was big things made about him um, but he was he was immense. Um, John Souter, uh, I looked at the stats as always do, <laughs> he won all of his duels, um, his passing was secure um, and he was being watched by Scotland that day, and there's probably no no surprise that he's been called into the Scotland squad. But from Dundee Wright's perspective, the f- the other positive is that they they didn't capitulate. Five two sounds like a hammering, and yeah, it is when you when you look at the results. But they didn't capitulate. You know, they went two goals down, and I thought, oh no, here we go. This could be a hammering here. But they they quickly got their spirit back up and they, and they battled back and they got a quick goal back to bring it to 2-1 at half-time and you thought, well, there's a chance here. Um, then, they, they, then the big blow comes at half-time and Charlie Mulgrew goes off and then you think, right, what's going to happen? So Kerr Smith comes into his place and they lose a quick goal and you think, oh God, here we go again. But then again, they battled back again with another goal. So at 3-2, you're thinking, this is game on here. And Tam Kurtz is thinking that as well and he's, and he's, and he's a gambler, clearly a gambler because at that point, they're starting to get a grip in the midfield. Declan Glass is starting to find his feet and starting to find the passes, but he takes Declan Glass off and, and goes for it and brings Biamu on to try and play the two up front. And I don't think it worked. I think Hearts got a grip in the midfield at that point and then Hearts were dominant after that. And 
5-2 was flattering, 4-2 would have been fair. And Bear, Ewan mentioned there, United lost Charlie Mulgrew injury. I think it was at half-time, wasn't it, Ewan? Yeah, it was It was at half-time, but I mean, Bear will know this, but um, the good news about Charlie is that I think he'll be back for the Aberdeen game, but Bear will maybe expand a bit more on Charlie's influence. Shows how important he is, doesn't it? Yeah, and let's hope that he is back, because I think that, well, everyone deserves credit, the goalkeeper and, and Ryan Edwards and the full-backs, I think Charlie has brought a calm and influence to the, to the rear guard and a bit of experience at a, a higher level. And you've seen that in United's games, the vast majority of United's games this season. And that's that's been the backbone of their, their success. You know, as well as going forward in the passes he makes from defence, he's very good on the ball. So hopefully he can, uh, he'll be back, as, as Ewan says, for, for the next game, for the game against Aberdeen in a fortnight. I think overall, I mean, was it a surprise that United lost the Hearts? I don't think it was. I mean, Hearts beat them at Tandice earlier on in the season. And I've got to say, having seen Hearts firsthand just a fortnight ago at Tynecastle, they are an incredibly attractive sight to watch. And, and Robbie gets a bad press, Robbie Nielsen, for, I think, you know, the last period there, he, he was probably forced at the door for not playing attractive football because he, he had a side that maybe bludgeoned teams to death. Now, you, you've got to be able to win games in all sorts of manners. Sometimes you've got to go the long route and you've got to be a bit more physical. But what I saw of this hard side when Dundee played them a fortnight ago was a very attractive side that wanted to pass from the back, play through the midfield, get the ball out wide and get the ball into the box. Now, they had one criticism of them. It was that they didn't look as if they had a lot of penetration. Liam Boyce went off that day and they didn't look as though they had much else in the tank. And as such, Dundee managed to get away with a point and a good point at that. But unfortunately for United on Saturday, the boy Woodburn came up Trumps, I liked him, you're right, you and I saw him, and he, he looked a player, he was just lacking a goals, now this this could be good news for Hearts, that he's actually managed to get his, himself on the score seat here, this will give him a great deal of confidence, um, and they found goals from elsewhere on Saturday, but it looked like a, a really, really attractive game. Um, from United's point of view, it's probably the first, they're in a bit of a mini crisis, and you go to the international break, and it's not really, it's not really the place you want to be, Crisis, crisis is a bit of a harsh word, isn't it, when they're sitting where they are on the table? Um, but I think maybe it's a good time to have a wee break and, and you know, a wee reset and, and, and get, get themselves ready to go again. I think over the last few weeks, uh, maybe Tam Coates has found out a wee bit more about his team than he found out in the first six or seven weeks, you know, what he's got and, and where, where they probably are in the pecking order in, in this point in time. But uh, yeah, I don't think the two-week break will do them any harm, but hopefully they will have Charlie Mulgrew back when, when Aberdeen come to town. And George, it's a case it never rains, but it pours that on the day that Charlie Mulgrew gets injured. We see that rarest of things in the last two or three seasons, a Benjamin Segrist error. I think it was the opening goal. Yeah, that was surprising he, he to see definitely that. should have saved it. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be pretty disappointed uh, let it squirm under his, under his grasp. But some of the saves he made, though, after that, Showed why he's such a an important part of that United team, and why he's so why anybody might be interested in, in trying to pinch him off United. Um, because even though, well, as as Ewan says about the, the amount of chances that were created, he had to be on his toes to keep the keep it less than five, I suppose. Which sounds bad, but it did sound like a proper you have a go, we have a go. Yeah, you and is that is that the big is that the big difference? We always talk about you know goalkeepers, it's about saves, strikers, it's about it's about scoring goals. Is the difference between a goalkeeper and a striker? A striker misses four chances and hits the winner. Yeah. He's had a good game. A goalkeeper makes four great saves, but has one howler 
He's had a bad game. Yeah, that's you've put that in a nutshell. Yeah, but then but then you can reverse that as well. Not like me, you can reverse that as well. You can go into a penalty shootout, and you can and the, the striker always gets criticised if he misses the penalty, but the goalkeeper doesn't get criticised if he doesn't save it. So it, it swings and roundabouts. But you're right. Um, I, I agree with George. I mean, Benji made some great saves later in the game. Um, unfortunately, he's up at his direct opposite numbers, Craig Gordon, who made even better saves in the game. You know, so <laughs> yeah. Craig Gordon's just for me. Craig Gordon's just another level up from Benji Seagrass. You know, but Benji Seagrass and Craig Gordon went into this game. Um, another percentage, uh, another stat for you. They they had the most highest percentage of saves. They were the top two goalkeepers in the country for Pirates, like you said. Benji's now dropped down to fifth in the country for that, so um, it shows you. And he did make a mistake at the opening goal, but did Benji Seagrist have a terrible game? No, he didn't. And again... Yeah, credit to him for coming back from that. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing I like about him is he's the captain at the moment, right, at, at this moment in time. And the thing I like about him, he gets the crowd going, you know, when... When Dundee United pulled it back to 2-1, you could see him physically, see him going to the crowd and, and getting them going behind his goal. And um, they need that. So I don't. I wouldn't... I mean, he's lost five goals in a game. He's made a mistake, but I wouldn't say that it's a disaster. I, I, and suddenly Benji Seagrass has become a poor keeper overnight. Absolutely no way. Go to the goalkeeping expert. You mentioned statistically, surprise, surprise, that before this game, Seagrass and Gordon, the best two goalkeepers... Uh, in the Premiership this year. Is that just a fact anyway? And when you think Alan McGregor and Xander Clark are in great form too, but Bear, would you say that the two men at Tynecastle on Saturday are the best two? I think they are. I think they are, and I don't think there's there's a wafer between them at this point in time. I think what Craig Gordon has on his side is a lot more experience. Obviously, he's, he's 10 years older, um, but he's also got the international uh, backdrop as well, which which you know adds a lot to your to your sort of game. Um, but there, there's very little to choose between them. I think Seagrest, you're right. It was it was an uncharacteristic error for for him for, from him for the first goal. Um, but these things happen. These things happen, and you know, Ewan's right. Sometimes the keepers get the opportunity to be the star of the show and penalty shooters. But that's that tends to be, you know few and far between I think you know penalty kicks only coming in cup ties anyway and you look at the you look down south and you're right Tom about, about keepers you can make you can make a dozen saves in a game but if you let one in that's soft and it costs you that's all the fans are going to remember and I looked down south at the weekend and I watched the Manchester City Manchester United game and I wasn't going to say the show I've got on. to say but yeah. David De Gea was outstanding outstanding <laughs> you know yeah. outstanding you know the first half and then he goes and lets a soft one and that's all they speak about at half time they forget all about the three or four saves that was kept Manchester United in the game so Benji well, you're not full of admiration for De Gea though Bear just to sort of digress the way that he made a mistake but but uh, Luke Shaw had made a mistake as well, and the first thing you did was shoot at Shaw. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good experience. You're getting the blame. That's a bit of experience coming in there as well. You always look for somebody. <laughs> first, the, the nearest player to you always gets it in the neck. That's, 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 but uh, yeah, Benjamin Seagrass is just it's one of these things. You know, it's, it's every, everybody makes mistakes. We all make mistakes, and uh, unfortunately, he was punished for it this time. But as George has said, I mean, he, over the piece, he, he had an outstanding game, and over the season, he's, he, he's probably been, you know, he's up there. United's top two or three performers and up there and actually while we're on your chosen subject on Mastermind this week Bear I thought Craig Gordon actually he gets he maybe got away with it because it was he maybe got his feet a bit wrong mm-hmm. for the Ryan Edwards goal I thought he was a bit slow yeah, given the distance I looked it like from. it but did it, did it take a slight nick 
Yeah, I think it did. And I think that I think if I mean if I was again, I would be looking at myself. Why did you know put your head on the bloody ball? Or what was it? I, I got a better block on it, but he seemed to be a wee bit unsighted. What do you thought it wasn't going to get there? But it was one of these shots actually seemed to pick up pace the further it went. You know, when he st- I looked how far out he was, and he must have been a good 35 yards anyway. Mm. Now, anybody... I mean, I, th- I think that's the problem you've got when you're a harsh defender and you've got Craig Gordon in the goal and somebody's wanting to have a shot from 35 yards ago, well, <laughs> on you go. You're not going to score against Craig <laughs> yeah. Gordon from there. But whoosh, fair play to Edwards. It's another one for him. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe looking back at he maybe could have moved his feet a wee bit quicker to get across that. But he just like... Tom said about uh, De Gea, he was very quick to blame the defender in front of him as well, if you noticed that. Ah, yeah. As soon as he went in, he was throwing the arms and he was, what were you doing? I, I think he maybe felt he could have got a better block on it, you know, so. Yeah. But, uh, Goalkeepers. Yeah, eh? he never got near that, did he? I mean, he just sort of took one step and went down on his knee and it was in the corner of the neck. Great strike. I mean, it's, it's a real goal threat these days, isn't it, Ryan Edwards? Yeah, I think that's three and five games he's scored. Is it three and five games he's scored for, for Dundee United? You know, I mean, he's... He scored at Hibs. Yeah. He scored against Motherwell, and he scored there. But it's normally it's normally from set pieces he's making. Yeah. It. It's not normally from that sort of distance. But Ryan Edwards has been outstanding for me. He, he must. I mean, if I, I'll tell you what though. I mean, he, he, when I saw the goal coming, I, thought, I was like, when I saw it on on the TV, I thought it would have been a header or from a set play or something like that. Yeah, I was the same. But I mean, if, for a centre half to have the confidence to go and strike one from that sort of distance, you know, fair play to the lad. He must. Um, um, I think that's what we yeah. should. Uh, stress whether or not Gordon was at fault at all. It was a good shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the, the point you made earlier. We go back to right at the start, Bear, where you were talking about Charlie Mulgrew. That's his influence again, again mm. rubbing off on Ryan Edwards because it's the kind of confidence that Charlie Mulgrew would have. He would pick up the ball deep inside, just the edges, penalty yeah. box, and he would make a run for it. I've seen him doing that quite a lot, and that's Ryan Edwards is growing in confidence every week because he's playing alongside somebody of, of Charlie Mulgrew's stature. You know, I think he would say that himself. And I think the whole defence would say that. And the point, I'm, I'm, I'm defending Dunn United a lot, right? They weren't defending an awful lot on Saturday, let's be <laughs> honest, right? But in the first nine games, they lost, it took them nine games before they lost five goals. And then in, in, in under 90 minutes, they lose, they, lose, they lose five goals. So maybe we put it in a little bit of context. It might be classed as a blip if we look at it that way, but the next few games are going to be key to that. You know, they've got Aberdeen at home, then they've got a trip up to Dingwall with Ross County, and then they've got Celtic at home. So they're, they're three pretty difficult games, to be honest with you, you know. So so it's it's how they recover from this, and if they can just put it to the side and say, right, that was just a one-off, and we were playing against a, a side who I think will comfortably finish third this season. Now, Ewan, is it one of these, is it one of these games where Tam Courts has to almost ignore the score Take take the goals conceded individually and work on the mistakes that were made, but collectively go, guys, you competed for most for most of the ninety minutes at a tough place to go to. I think it's the strange thing, right? I've I've seen a I have seen a few Dun United defeats now, right? If I include the Premier Score uh, Sports Cup loss to Hibs. And every game they've lost in, there have been spells in that game where they have been the better side, you know. There was a there was a albeit it was quite a small spell on Saturday, but there was a point in that game where they when they when they when they were pulling it back to three two, where I was thinking United are dominating here, but they they have got positives to take because I don't think they're a side that gives up very easily. I don't think they're a side that let their heads drop and and just say oh well that game's finished. They're they're never completely out of games, so I think that's the positive. I think the fans are going away with. 
and the fans seem to be right behind them right now. I mean, I don't know historically if United fans would turn against their side or not, but they seem to be right behind them and they're not turning on their side when they're losing games yeah, at the moment. They applauded them off the park on Saturday, didn't they? Yeah, they, they did, you know, and and they're turning out in numbers as well. I mean, they sold, they sold I mean, we spoke about this before, I think it, the, the official heart uh, done United attendance was over 1,300 at, at the game at the weekend and they could easily have sold 2,000 for that game, let's be honest. I mean, there's a lot of disappointed United fans last week that didn't get tickets and I would expect a big crowd for the game against Aberdeen. Um, I think Aberdeen will be expecting to bring, I think they've got an allocation of 3,300. So they'll be bringing a big crowd. So the, the fans are turning up in numbers. They're back, at, they're back in the side and I think they like what they're seeing from the side. Um, I think they're accepting results because they're seeing a side that's, that's maybe it's a work in progress, you know, and maybe Tam Cross has had a lot to change because I don't think the, the United fans were very happy with the style of play last season. Um, yeah, they survived, they stayed up, but they didn't really come away from games thinking, oh, I've enjoyed that game of football, but they're enjoying their games. And I think that's that's compensating for, 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 for any defeat they're having at the moment. Looking at that Aberdeen game briefly, because we need something to speak about next week, was that, I mean, the Aberdeen game opening one of the season, that was maybe the bad performance, the bad 90-minute performance from United. And the, the new firm thing isn't what it was in the 80s and all that, but there's still a thing between the fans and the players know that. United will want to want to prove a wee point against Aberdeen, won't they? Yeah, I wasn't at that game. That was uh, my colleague Alan Temple who was at that game, but he, he did come back almost very down about Dun United. And, and at that point, you're thinking, oof, is this going to be a bad season for Dun United? Because we didn't know what the Tam Coors era was going to going to look like at that point, and it didn't get off to the best of starts. And I think I did a piece a few weeks ago with Ryan Edwards talking about after that game how they had clear the air talks in the in the dressing room about that, and he said they sorted an awful lot out, and he said and they trans transformed the, the the side. And I think they're a completely different side from that side that got beat up at Petrodji from what I hear from that game. Um, but Aberdeen are maybe a different side as well. They're evolving as well. You know, I don't, I don't know what to make of Aberdeen because they start the season on fire. Everybody's thinking, God, Aberdeen under Stephen Glass are brilliant. Then they had a real dip, and everybody saying, "Well, Stephen Glass is a disaster." They picked up again, but they're and then they and then they lose again at the weekend. So they're a hard team to put. Quite tamely, I think, at the weekend. Yeah, too. they're a hard team to to put on, but that will be a, a big game. It'll be a big test, but it's the kind of game if you get a good result in a game like that, that can be a springboard for the rest the rest of the rest of the festive season as we say well if anyone could make a defeat sound like a victory <laughs> i think we've just we've just done that which will delight the united fans but we might get some mail from the other half of the city and more of them to follow right on to dundee sum it up George. yeah I'm, I'm not sure i can make this one sound like a like it was actually a victory, to be honest. Um, it's Celtic. What can, what can you say? Uh, I was looking. I had to troll quite far back through the the history books to see the last time Dundee had won against Celtic at Dens Park. Can you remember the the scorer of that goal? Can I? Can I name him? Tom. Tommy. Tommy Coyne. Oh, you've just spoken. sorry, Tom. Yeah, it was Tommy th- nineteen eighty eight. I think it was Tommy Coyne. I actually. I- when, when in 1988, George? It's top of my head, maybe October. There's a point here. Know. See, that must have been a good score because that was, uh, if I recall that, 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 was, 
Yeah, but that was yeah. Celtic's interior year. First Celtic two games that season. That year under Billy McNeil. No, so no. that that must have been a very good performance that day. Dundee beat them at Dens and yeah. then beat them from two 0 down three two in the November. I, I only know this because I was actually on holiday in America and my mum my mum phoned my auntie to tell me and I was like, oh, I'm in America, I really don't care. <laughs> Which was a bit rude, I must admit. But um, yeah, but the reason I was asking George and I, I did think it was, I, I never ever realised this because uh, unlike you and stats aren't really my thing. But 31 years as a full-time Football writer for the Tilly. I never go. saw Dundee yeah. beat Celtic at Dens. So, yeah, horrendous. I saw them. I saw them. I saw their the last Caballero. win against Celtic at uh, the Caballero double. Celtic had won the league, and uh, that day, once they went behind, they just never really. Dundee played very well. Don't get me wrong, but that day they just didn't have the fight mm. to to come back. You know what I mean? Because they, they knew they'd won the league already. But uh, I'd never ever, <laughs> I'd never ever realised that I'd never seen Dundee. I'd never worked at a Dundee. That's the, that's the, the context, I suppose. Like this game that happened on Sunday, Dundee, a newly promoted team playing against Celtic. But yeah, they did not start well. That's my point. Is it the way they did it? Because they, they they seem to do okay. For yeah, a the, chunk, the, a chunk each half. Yeah. But after uh, the yeah, lost I, th- two I think goals, yeah, James Pick probably admitted he didn't get it quite right to begin with. Uh, it started with five at the back with Cammy Kerr on, on the kind of right side of the back three. Um, and Celtic came at them. Hota and uh, Kyogo were, were, were absolutely excellent, but Dundee didn't get a hold of them at all. He changed things after it went 2-0 and they seemed to do a lot better and they, they scored immediately after that and had a good spell, but then shot themselves in the foot straight after half time and the game was done. Um Cammy Kerr spoke after the game and, and was was pretty brutal in his own assessment, his own performance. He, he kinda of took the blame for that start of the second half. There was good points. You have to take some positives. It's, I mean, as we talk about Dundee don't beat Celtic ever, uh, near enough. So and they're a newly promoted team, you have to you have to just take it with a pinch of salt, I, I think. Um they could have defended better. I could see why people would be annoyed that the goals they they conceded, although the first one was offside, I think I haven't seen it on the on the replay. Hyota uh, was was standing behind the defence when the shot came in. Um, but Celtic, Celtic's front three are very very good. Um, their back line not so much, and Dundee got at them when they when they got the chance. But they, I think it's, it's a learning curve, and they're pretty harsh. When they they got beat six 0 off Celtic the the first game. This is slightly better, but it's still a defeat. Um, but they, I don't know. They've got three weeks now, three weeks, three long weeks for to fill up with with time on the training pitch and, and try and sort out the defense because the defense is now the worst in in the league. Although they could see the tenth Celtic in the two games, that's, that's something they really need to work on. Um, but they've got time now to do that. It was what can you say? It's Celtic at tenth. You have to sometimes you just have to write it off. I'd say. I get the general point. The one thing that struck me looking at the goals, Bear, was if you're, I'm no tactical genius, but if you're playing against informed strikers in yeah. your box, yeah, yeah, I think stand yeah. quite close to them. I think we spoke about United five two, and it, you know it was it was probably a harsh result on on United. Well, I'll tell you what, four two was a great result for Dundee on Sunday. <laughs> there is absolutely anybody who watched the ninety minutes. 
<laughs> Anybody who watched that game, see, on George, Sunday, it was like a win to get out of there with a four-two. <laughs> Was, was quite miraculous, I've got to say, because Celtic absolutely battered them from start to finish. George is right, you know, the, the, setup, the, the setup with the five at the back, it wasn't working, they were getting murdered down the flanks, they were short in midfield. Um, they got themselves back into it at 2-1, and it's a case of, right, let's, let's you know, let's hold what we've got. They had a wee period where they were competing with Celtic. But I'll tell you what, Celtic had a couple of, two that I can remember, glorious chances glorious chances to go in 4-1 at half time and, and what's disappointing for me Tom was they both came from corner kicks now it's different if, the, if, a, if a team's cutting you open you know down the wide areas and Celtic do as George says Kyogo and, and Jota were outstanding uh, you know their movement especially it's just they had Dundee at sixes and sevens but two of their chances came from corner kicks the first one I think it was Carter Vickers middle of the six yard box Sweeney's marking yeah. him. He gets off Sweeney. Middle of the six-yard box, he, he powers in a header. And unfortunately, it actually hits. I mean, I've, I'll give the keeper, uh, I'll give Adam Legsdens a credit yeah, for a save, but it hits Legsdens yeah. more than anything yeah. else and bounces yeah. about 20 yards away from him. That was how powerful it was. And then right on the halftime whistle, similarly, I think it was, is it Welsh, the young lad that, that, that plays at the back? She scored, yeah. Gets off Ashcroft again. Middle of the six-yard box, doesn't put his head on it. He just has to header the ball and it's in, into the goal. So you get you get out and, and I'm James McPick, I'm, I'd be having a go at my defenders for that, saying, come on, boys, you've got to keep yourself, you've got to be better than that. But then they shoot themselves in the foot right at the start of the second half. Dundee take kick off, and before, before, you know, too long, the ball's back in their own half. It goes back from Charlie to, to Sweeney, and then it's back to uh, Marshall. I'm not sure what Marshall was trying to do, you know, on the right wing. Um, and they get caught, and the, and the ball's played in. Kami Kerr's caught. The boy uh, uh, Yota gets in front of him, knocks it in. 3-1, game over. And then the fourth goal, you've got to you've got to put your hands up and say it was a sensational goal, Tom. One twos, quick movement, cut back, Kyogo in off the off the post. I mean, it's, and at that point in time, you're sitting there as a Dundee fan. Your team has been battered. It's fifty-one minutes on the clock. Oh dearie me! You know, you think, wow. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I thought this could be six. This could be seven or eight. The way we've played here. So for the game to finish at four-two. If you told me at that point it was going to be 4-2, I'd have went, that'll do, let's go, that'll do us. So I think from Dundee's perspective, I mean, as George Aye. said, you've got to you've got to accept it's Celtic. Um, you've got to accept the sort of players and the movement they have. They're going to give a lot of teams problems, but you've got to do better. There's no doubt yeah, about that. You've got to be that. a wee bit tougher, a wee bit closer, a wee bit tighter all over the park. And that's where Dundee, you know, Dundee have to look at over the next the next few weeks. Although it could have been worse. If you're sitting there, and it could have been 6-2, it could have been 7, it could have been 8 down. Believe me, Celtic had that many opportunities. It was good of uh, 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 Ange Postacoglu to take off Kyogo and Jota, I've got to say that. But, I mean, he, he, sort of, <laughs> he sort of took the steam at them a wee bit. But I've done the taking a real batter, and you imagine how it would have been over the next three weeks trying to pick the players up again. Mm. I mean, at least, the, I mean, they had the Ross County one. But they got themselves back on top of the St. Mern victory. So you can you can take that Celtic one in its own sort of wee sort of context. But 4 2, you can move on from that, I think. And I think that there's a wee bit of work to do, though, um, for Dundee. Dundee fans should recognise where Dundee are. I'm looking at a Dundee team who are definitely, at this point in time, you know, you're looking, if they can get themselves into that 10th spot, that'll be success this season. Where they are, I think they may have to, they may have to look. Obviously, with the situation they've got with Sheridan, they may have to look to try and bring, you know, one or two players in if they can during the transfer window, and we'll see what happens there. But at this point in time, Dundee are scrambling for everything. 
scrambling for everything. It's going in. There's loads of games coming up over a festive period, which you know uh, are going to be vitally important. So um, yeah, recharge the batteries, big three weeks, and get back on and, and go again. Just to go back very briefly to that, uh, the fourth goal you mentioned there, and I must admit that was another one when I saw saw it for the first time. That was another one that I put down as the goalie should have got it, and then I saw it again, and maybe shows the quality of Kyoto if I've got his name right there, that it's the only place he could really beat the keeper. And he... He's very... If you watch him, it's, a, it's the movement. I mean, I've watched I've watched Lee Ashcroft dominate centre-halves in games this season. You saw you saw him in the, Sweeney, the game against St. Martin, against Brophy in Maine. Two very, very good strikers. Powerful, bit of movement, never got a sniff. But you watch Jota and, and Kyogo... Their movement, term across across the play. When the ball's getting played into the box, they're across, they come from behind the front, and they they get that extra yard, and it's just a different level. And that's I'm afraid that's what did Dundee, but that's that's what they pay the money for. Yeah, and you'd sell it's, it's a bit Thomas. That's the best attacking attack side I've seen this season. Now George is absolutely ball, right. <laughs> Didn't look too clever at the back. Dundee got a couple of goals, <laughs> and actually you're the start man, Ewan. I think Paul McMullen got. I think Paul McMullen got another couple of assists. He must be up there. He must have the most assists for goals in it. Yeah. I mean, well, he certainly be up up there. But he seems to get every, every assist for Dundee's goals for the, at least sort of seventy eighty percent of them. He's he's on uh, twelve for the season in all competitions. Right. Yeah. So. And Dundee barely scored twelve goals. So. The first the first one was a good goal. I mean, I, I praised that, and I'll say about Danny Mullen as well. Well, well done to Danny Mullen. You know, it was yeah. a hard shift. It was a hard shift for him, and I think you saw the difference. I think when, when, when they brought on Jason Cummins, and I've said this before about Jason, but then Jason doesn't work hard. He doesn't work the centre halves hard enough when the ball goes up. He doesn't make it tough enough for them to get in front of him. You know, and that's why Danny Mullen will start more games than Jason Cummins. Um, but uh, good goal from Danny Mullen. Second goal, simple ball in the box. I'm not sure what Joe Hart was was doing. I've got to say, but. Uh, he still picks up his five-figure salary at the end of the game if he, if he does that. So good luck to him as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When the goalkeeper barely raises his hands, I think he knows. Yeah, that was, that was another one when you spoke earlier about the goalkeepers running out and blaming the defence. You saw him as soon as that went <laughs> in, running out and trying to find somebody to blame. Yeah. Deflection tactics. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, Joe Hart was really poor for that goal. But you said about Danny Mullen earlier, he was, he was a bit of a hero in the playoff for Dundee as well, wasn't he? You know, so he... Mm-hmm. I mean... He's a kind of unsung hero. He's, you know, you see the, the attacking threats they've got. He's not one of the the big star names, you know, but he's somebody that they can rely on to put in the team. No, that that's right. And I think, but given his work rate, I think that that's why you will start, you know, more often than, than the likes of Jason Cummins. I think Jason Cummins is a better penalty box player than Danny Mullen. I think Jason Cummins would get more goals. But where Dundee are, the position this season is going to be a lot of the games. They're going to be on the back foot, so they need to get themselves up the park to do that. They need somebody who can at least get their body in front and, and work across the line, and, and, and you know, and try and get the free kicks and, and try and get a hold of the centre. So just make life positively difficult. I've got to say, but we haven't talked about Lee Griffiths. Obviously, he's going to come back into the equation. But for me, I mean, Lee Griffiths has been carrying an injury, but I don't think he's been working hard enough as well. I think he needs to do a wee bit more. You know, I mean. You've maybe seen him more more than me in the last wee while, you and certainly at Celtic. But for me, he's, 
he just needs to put himself about a, a wee bit more, you know. And uh, they, could, they can all take an example from Danny Mon. I think he he did really well, you know. He was one. He, he was a positive in that game when there wasn't many positives for Dundee. Aye, I, th- I think they showed they missed him when he was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they got injured the first game of the season. And I think he would. Well, he started that game. I think he would have been the the first choice at that point. Um, the way he finished last season, scored scored the goal that sent Dundee up. Basically, um, I thought he was very good on Saturday. He seems one of these boys, too, yeah. George. That's always ready. He's uh, to to cross the street briefly. He's, Sean Dillon used to say to me, he said, "Whether I'm picked or not is not isn't relevant to mm-hmm. the condition I should be in on a Saturday morning. I should always be ready to play." And that part of Dundee's success last season was quite a few guys chipped in. And I mean, it's a praise to the manager from that point of view that he seems to be able to have boys that aren't in the team every week, but they're they're ready and and praise their attitude yeah. as well. They, well, they don't he, go he in said the a few times the how much the manager said how much work he and, and Dave McKay do in trying to get to the bottom of the kind of character of the, of the players and what attitude they've got by speaking to a lot of people that know them. I think that pays off at times like that when the players aren't playing. They know that they're going to be... I think it, it's similarly he described uh, the boys who didn't get on, Cummings and, and Griffiths, and can't remember who else it was, as good teammates, he said, because they were on the bench. They didn't get on the pitch, but they're still part of the team. Um, and that would be vital for, for Dundee going forward. If they end up having to go each other and all falling out, they're going to end up relegated, aren't they? So it's a big part of it. The team spirit was very good last season. Um, it's been much more difficult this season, but they seem to be still sticking together. Um, and Danny Mon is is a good ladder, and the place is reliable on the pitch. Maybe doesn't get as many goals as, as people would like, but he scored that was his, him off the mark on, on Saturday with a good goal. Um, Hello, everyone's still there. Hello, I'm on my own. Is there anybody there? Oh, you're back. Just for those listening, this is what happens with podcasts when you do them virtually. Everybody disappeared from my screen. And I think we're all in the same boat. And <laughs> See, when I was in my 20s or 30s, I said, pub. I almost had a heart attack now. So let's not let's not yeah, do that again. Point. You're still a bit fuzzy, George. <laughs> although that's maybe just because you need a shave. Anyway, we'll 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 continue in the hope that we can all we can all get through this alive. Well, we're speaking about Dundee, George. It, it's the big thing for them now. And uh, uh, two questions: one is the big thing now. James McPake reminds the players, Celtic don't define our season. The, the other thing, he's got three weeks to remind them of that because the they don't have a game no, because the of the international break. And no, then, uh, no. What's the name Premier of the Premier Sports Cup. The Co- Coca-Cola <laughs> Cup. That's a skull. <laughs> oh, oh, skull. Oh, Ewan. <laughs> Ewan's, got, Ewan's on the phone now from his sponsors. As it, it's the Coke the co- the co- School Betfred Cup. No, uh, because Dundee... Uh, who's it they're meant to be playing that's in the semi-finals? Hibs. So they've got three, a no, three-week break. Um, it's not a great thing. We'll see if we get through this. I think that was the podcast well gods tell me to shut up about Danny Mullen, to be honest. Just gave up on me. But um, it's a bit of a strange thing Dundee are going to have to deal with. Three weeks off and then they've got nine games in five weeks. Uh, basically playing everybody, including a derby at the end of that. Um, 
So I, you, ha, you have to try and look at it. The fixture list hasn't been kind to them, but you, you have to try and take up, make it work for you. Um, and it does give the manager and his coaching staff time on the, the training pitch to try and sort out the problems they've been having. Um, ahead of, well, it's Mullerwell at home and St. Johnson at home. I mean, they already look like two huge games for Dundee in the situation they're in. They've already beaten Mullerwell at Dent. Let's be positive. Exactly. You the, these, it's you're not so worried about what three, the, three away's in a week. The following games that, don't look quite Rangers, as hard. Rangers, Ross County, which have been massive, and, and then Hibs. Um, but we've seen the way the Premiership works is, is, is very streaky, and, and Dundee have to get themselves on a streak. Um, that's 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 their job over the next three weeks is to get ready for that. Um, because St. Byrne were struggling a bit, and then they've shot up. Aberdeen were struggling a bit. They've shot up. Livy pulled results out of nowhere. They, they were looking like the worst team in the league for a wee while, and then suddenly they're up to 10th. So that's that's the kind of um, inspiration Dundee have to take. And certainly, as we were talking about Celtic and Dens, Dundee very rarely win that. Uh, game, so it's not going to define the season when they're, they're playing against the old firm. It is a free hit. The players don't like calling it a free hit, but it's anything you get out of those games is a bonus. So you kind of lick your wounds and move on. But they have to. They have to, as Bear says, they've got stuff to work on, but they've got time to work on it. That doesn't happen very often, so you have to make use of it. And I mean, as well as Bear, the obvious thing would be work on the defence after the number of goals are conceding. Also, a bit of time to get a few guys match fit. You, 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 we're still thinking of Lee yeah, Griffiths. Yeah, and, we'll and hopefully they, they can do that. I think Jordan McGee's another who's uh, been sort of... He was carrying I think it was illness injury, or injury, yeah. George. He's, he's been struggling with um, Yeah, carrying injury and he's not really looked himself. You go on about the defence, Tom, and I've got to say, I, th- I think Dundee's defence has, has done relatively well. Although they've not kept as many clean sheets as I would have liked. But I think in general, if, you, if you're asking... If you're asking the fans, you know who's who the top players have been. You know a lot of them will come from from the back four and the and the goalkeeper. I think we're done. Dr. You need to look at defending in other areas. I think that you know that there have been uh, games this season where teams have have got all over them across the middle of the park because they haven't been mobile enough. Now it, it could be that certainly I think you've got to play. We'll, we'll go to Charlie Adam because obviously we've said this. Charlie Adam is not has been brought to Dens to to cover the ground. He's been brought to Dens for his experience and what he can do on the ball and the way he can spray passes and the way he can play set pieces. So you've got one man in there who who's effectively, he's not going to run about daft, but when you've got one man who, who can cover the ground, that doesn't mean that he's a liability because you need others to step up around him to, to do the job for him. And that's what Dundee have let himself down at times. And I go back to the St Myrne game, the one thing that impressed me for, for from that game at St Myrne was every time, and I watched it on the stream because I couldn't get through the game, every time I saw a Dundee player, he was running. And that's what Dundee are going to need. The, the situation they're going to find themselves in leading up to Christmas and after and beyond Christmas, they're going to need everybody putting a shift in. And I think the players recognise that. If they're going to get anything out of, the, out of this league, they're going to have to fight and scrap and work hard for it. And I think that's what James McPake will be drilling into them over, over this next two or three weeks with some of these big, big games coming up, the teams that are going to be playing. Certainly, you're looking already looking at this Ross County game coming up. I think it's the second week in December. And uh, 
you know, you could see that being a massive, massive game, you know, depending on who's sitting where at that point in time. And uh, obviously, Ross County have got an edge on them coming down to Dens and hitting them for five. But they're at the bottom of the league for a reason, Tom. And so, you know, Dundee just have to th- think all the, all the good things they've done. And over this wee period, cut out all the daft things they've done. They've done a lot of silly things, but they need to be, they need to also, it's like everything, you, you, you can defend well, but you've got to find a way to get yourself up up the park to give the strikers a chance to get goals. And I think that's what's been lacking as well. But you've got Lee Griffiths in the team, but we've not really, not really given this lad a chance to show what he can do. He's, he's having to feed off scraps. So that's a, that's a, that's a tough one sometimes because you're not want to leave yourself too wide open. But Dundee have got to find that way. And I think I think it's down to the midfield. And you talked about Sean Byrne. And Sean Byrne goes about his business in, in a quiet manner. But I think Dundee have really missed him. I think he's a, he's a guy who can get the ball, kill the play, and move it on simply, and I think that's something that that, that Dundee have actually lacked, you know, over the last the last wee while. You can get you, they've had young lads in there like Max Anderson and, and the young lad uh, Luke McCowan, who've done well. Don't get me wrong, they, and they do they do run, but you've got to use your brain as well when you're running. You know, you can you can just put a bunch of athletes in who could run a bit all day, but you've got to use your head as well. And I think Sean Byrne does that at times. So. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to work on, but they've got to, certainly got three weeks to do it. So hopefully, by the time they get back, they'll be ready to go again. And we've given them a start, boys. <laughs> we maybe didn't turn this defeat into victory, but we maybe made it a one 0 So well done, us. Right, and finally this week, a big few days for Scotland. And you and I believe you're actually got your bags packed as we speak because you're you're part of the Tartan army and you're heading to Moldova. You don't know me well enough. There's no way I'm organised enough to have my bags packed already. <laughs> Jill was actually get Jill was actually asking me to pack my bags last night and I said I'm not away till Thursday morning or packing Wednesday night. But uh, And she said I'm not talking about the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's probably I, I, I probably misread what she was talking about. But um yeah no I'm away I'm away Thursday morning for a couple of days to Moldova. Um looks like an interesting country to visit from a Tartan Army perspective. I think it's the poorest country in Europe, which um, (laughs) obviously is going to be... Just like our growth then. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, The the, the flip side of it being the poorest country in Europe, I think the the alcohol prices are relatively low. I think we're talking about 80 pence a pint, so I'm quite happy with that. So... Um, there'll be so a few, we'll see you in December then. A few pints consumed, but <laughs> the, 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 from a fan's perspective, I think we were talking about this when we were before we started recording. Um, I I believe there's somewhere in the region of fifteen hundred Scotland fans travelling to Moldova, um, and they've they've got less fewer than four hundred tickets um, for the Scotland. Then, so you can imagine the stadium is going to be full of Scotland fans all dotted all around the all around the stadium, and it's. It's not a big stadium. There's only ten thousand capacity stadium, so it's going to be basically like almost like a mini home game for Scotland. And if they win, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, I keep. I keep, do you know what? Bears, Bears <laughs> spooked me a bit. Right, I'm still thinking about this Georgia game that he mentioned about a month ago. I told him not to do this podcast no, naked. Right, and you know, you know me. Space. You know, I'm I'm always Mister Optimist. I mean, I had us going to. I, I had Andy Robertson lifting the World Cup in a podcast a few weeks ago, but. Bear's got that little voice in the back of my head telling me this could be like Georgia, this could be like Georgia, you know, and, and we've lost a couple of times away in Georgia as well, you know, it's it's and that was that game in 2007 where, we, where I remember, and Bear will remember us because of the goalkeeper, all the talk was that they were pitching in like a teenage goalkeeper because all the, they had a goalkeeping crisis at that point and this is going to be really easy because they're basically 
throwing in some kid that's never played in goals before and then we lost that game and that's eating away at me at the back of my mind. We should on paper beat Moldova because they're a lot poorer than the Faroe Islands are. Um, Faroe Islands give us a bit of a game away in the Faroes but we should beat them but as Scotland we're talking about and what'll end up happening is we'll probably draw and then we'll have to we'll we'll have to get some sort of result against Denmark, which we really don't want to go into the game on Monday against Denmark needing any sort of result. Other than, of course, boys, we touched on before after the last international break. If they if they beat Moldova, when it comes to deciding the seedings for the playoffs, the Moldova results won't count because they'll finish bottom of the group. So, hopefully, we're celebrating on Friday night a victory. Something from the Denmark game would improve the chances. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that would be beyond them, Tom. I always say at Hamden Park, always, I'm always an optimist. I always think you've got a chance and they've proved that in the past. They can get results against anybody. Well, you'd like to think that he might have a, might you know, the Denmark holidays. manager might be having a wee look at a few of the guys, that maybe fringe men who haven't, haven't had a run and, and been maybe giving them a chance because they've been good fringe men and they've, they've, they've turned up for every squad and you say, well, yeah, now's your opportunity to go and show me what you can do. <laughs> That's on the positive side. <laughs> they're still Denmark and they're a bloody good side. And you can just imagine this, their fringe men are still still good players. And yes, the Moldova top team. Just going back to Moldova, I'm I'm praying that obviously I'll be watching on the on the box like the vast majority of fans uh, in Scotland. And you you're just praying for once Scotland can maybe get a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. As opposed to looking you over, and yeah. he'll be standing on a box yeah. uh, looking over the boundary fence. Standing? Are you sure I'll be capable of standing at that stage? I'm just hoping that for once we can maybe get to the interval with a two-goal lead and you know, and, and you can sit back and relax and enjoy the final 45 minutes and, and they can coast in. But something inside me tells me there'll be nothing's up at half-time. And yes, the, the, you, you start the second time. half, I'm instantly watching the clock. And it's it's like a stopwatch going down in seconds rather than minutes. It's 45, 46, 47. You all know, here we go, eh? You know the way it goes. But, uh, yeah, I think they'll do it. I think right. they'll do it. So, George, it's left to you to predict the outcome. You don't need to get the exact score. Two victories, a win and a draw, a draw and a win. A defeat and a defeat. Four points. Four points. Yeah. Four points. No, we'll, we'll win in break Moldova. Break down to four points. Where's the three? In Moldova. We'll win 2-0 in Moldova, I reckon. John McGinn is going to do it. I have a funny feeling. You know what? I, th- I think this sort of... Uh, my natural gloom and doom that's sort of led to panic amongst particularly <laughs> Bear and Ewan. I've got a funny feeling it is going to be 2-0 after 15 minutes and we're sort of sitting going... Just blow the whistle so we can have a party. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I think we're a different side now from what we have been in the past, and we can we can take control of these games and hopefully we will get some goals. Although obviously we're missing dikes uh, for the Moldova game, and I, th- I think Denmark will play some of their uh, the French players as Bear says, and I, I think we can both teams would be quite happy with a draw out of that one. I, w- I would say, um, although Denmark. Can win all our games, can they? Yeah, still? I see. So, I, I, love, I love your optimism about Denmark, but look at look at what they've got to play for. They've not conceded good. a single goal yet. They've won all their games. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I love your optimism. They're going to be on holiday, but are they not going to be sitting back thinking we could set some sort of record here? You know, we could we could finish win win all ten group games and not concede a single goal, and that'll be that's bound to be 
to go down in the history books. So, <laughs> okay, got to hope that the be- Faroe Islands score against Denmark. That's all I'm saying. Even if it's eight one to to Denmark, if the Faroe Islands score, huh. then maybe well, the players will be involved because they'll yeah. think, oh, well, we're, we're not going to go through it without conceding a goal." But Right, know. let's just beat Moldova then, you and and just you don't forget your toothbrush and your ibuprofen for after for the morning after the game. Okay. Okay. Have a safe journey. Okay, I will do. If you like the podcast, it'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review on a simple rate on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. All that really helps people find far to use one street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the letters from Dens and Handbags. Or go to the telly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.